0: To
1: I want to talk briefly about, um, about God, about preconceived beliefs we have about God. Remember I was saying how we, we, we're working on our beliefs and what we believe affects what we do, um, but a lot of times our beliefs are boxed in by the foundation that we're given. So this is, this is what God is like, and therefore you can only believe X, Y, or Z. You couldn't possibly believe P. Or Q, because those just don't fit on the foundation and so we talked um you know last week was it last week or the week before we talked about hell and and the, and the afterlife and heaven and what are those concepts and actually we found that a lot of times we only have a certain amount of beliefs that lead to a certain amount of actions because the foundation is this is what heaven looks like this is what hell looks like this is the afterlife and this is how you get there um and for right or wrong that that creates a, a box on some level to um belief and it's not necessarily wrong to have foundations that create boxes you know having a box that says god is love boom don't leave that box right that's a really good idea um but oftentimes some of our boxes are not as founded in scripture as we'd like to believe or they are founded in scripture but they also just ignore other scriptures like we discussed about um the afterlife and so i guess one of the topics then that i want to then kind of open up that would um give us more of a framework so this this foundation that's, that's boxed in that gives us only a few beliefs we can have um like talking about the afterlife that you you change the foundation and now it's like oh i've got more beliefs that so could lead to more actions of, or more ways of doing life um i want to talk about the future how does god see the future and therefore how do you see the future and i think how we see the future determines how we live today um and so I'll talk about this briefly, and then I really want to probably mostly just have a discussion, a lot like we did with um, with the afterlife. Um, and so historically, there are two... Uh, I shouldn't say historically. Um, evangelically, there are two ways to approach God and the future and his knowing. Um, you have two options. You've got predestined, um, all-knowing, Um he he predetermines every path and he sets a stone. And um, and history is just drawn like a line. You know, it's like we'll go from here to here to here to here and then here. You know, Rachel will get up at 8. She will brush her teeth at 8.20. She'll, you know, then have a shower. She'll do this. Then she'll do this. And she, and everything is predetermined. And that's what God is like. He knows everything. Um, we don't like that as a charismatic movement. And we like, uh, and this would fit a lot with um, Calvinism, Luther's school of uh, teaching, but I mean, it can be traced back quite a long way. Um, uh, Augustine, you know, a lot of um, very famous early church fathers believed in a predestined, fixed timeline, um, that time was fixed. um, Everything that happened within that uh, was fixed. God sat outside of time and just went here to here to here to here. Um, It's almost like um, God wrote a movie. He wrote the script. He hires a bunch of actors, and he watches it play out. But he knows exactly what's happening next. He knows how it's going to begin, how it's ending. He knows every plot twist. He knows everything the whole way along. Um, we, typically, in the charismatic uh, church, um, lean towards something called Arminianism, um, which... Armenianism, which um, leans towards... Uh, or, well, it is um, the concept that we have free will. Um, and, and the reason we don't like... Um, one of these elements of calvinism this this uh fixed um static view of life and and of god is that we don't get to choose anything um and primarily the reason we don't like it is because we don't get to choose whether we're saved or not right because calvinism says oh you got saved yeah but god decided that before anything started right which you would have to if it was like in the movie script god would have had to decide to save you before you even came on the scene um and armenianism doesn't like that because there's a lot of stuff in the bible with choice but there is also a lot of stuff in the bible that seems to determine that we don't have as much of a choice as we'd like to think so you know again there's there's a lot of scriptures for a lot of the different views it's not black and white and always like the heaven and hell issue um we will pick the scriptures that, that that um connect with us that connect with the god that we have a relationship with that we feel we know and we'll take the scriptures that don't and we'll put them under it and try and filter them through the scriptures we like right which is good much like you know god is love oh, that resonates with me because i know the god of love i know him I, I, i've met him i have jesus living in me i know god is love therefore when a the bible says go kill everyone and kill all their babies too i go all right i'm gonna reread that scripture through god is love so it's, it's not a bad thing to do that okay just re-clarifying but we do have to recognize the scriptures that seem to support a free will and the scriptures that seem to support a fixed determined uh beginning middle and end um free will is uh is very important to armenism because it allows us to choose whether we will be saved or not it also gives us um a sense of um purpose as well in some senses um it's hard to believe that you set the, the tone for your life that you you create your purpose you create your destiny if god has already mapped it out you know you might be the main character you know you're the first name on the on the bill when the movie ends and it comes and it starts scrolling down it's like rachel major the one that saved the whole world you know yeah you know it's just rob blackburn hot stud that married Rachel, you know but like but that's it right and then but then the problem with that is that as you go down and down and down you think oh Phil drysdale janitor number four you know and like because if it's all predetermined some of us are going to be janitor number four and some of us are going to be superhero that runs the whole world and becomes president or whatever. But that was decided billions of years before the planet even existed. Free will gives us all of a sudden a choice. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can, I can set my course. I feel like I'm supposed to be an amazing musician. So I'm going to go and become an amazing musician. I feel like I'm supposed to be in government. So I'm going to become the next president or prime minister. Um, and so, um, again, this is why it is very popular, again, in, in a lot of charismatic Pentecostal um, circles. Um, But honestly, I would say um, across the board, this is quite a a healthy divide. It doesn't seem that the church leans one way or the other. Um, You would find in evangelical churches a lot of very strong Calvinistic um, uh, believers that strongly believe things are predetermined. That's what God is like. That's how God is. And and ultimately, they don't like free will because it creates um, a God who isn't in control so to speak um <clears throat> now how people would address that is that god uh free will and um, people that hold to arminianism free will would ultimately say well no god isn't in control because we have a, a mixed up view of god to think he's in control and um, control is the element of like pulling all the strings and making sure everything happens the way he wants it that actually the bible doesn't they would argue again there is probably scripture that does point to that but it would say overall the bible doesn't seem to point out that god is picking and moving and and controlling every step of the way in fact god is sovereign but not in control in the same way that the queen is sovereign or in control or the same way that your boss is in charge of you but he's not in control of you so you know you make a decision it's going to land on the boss he's going to be responsible he might even fire you because you did something wrong but he wasn't in control of you. He didn't make you make that decision. He didn't make you lose the client. He didn't make you whatever. Um, in the same way that parents are not in control of their kids, they're in charge of their kids. They, they, they have a responsibility to their kids. They, they invest in their kids. They guide their kids. And they will even possibly bear a lot of the pain and hurt from the choices of their kids, but they can't control their kids. They can try, but at a certain point they're going to lose control. You can be the most controlling, amazing, manipulative parent in the world, and you still can't control your kids um and so and i think we you know re- revisiting loving uh on purpose keep your love or whatever it is and um, we all know that because we've all tried to control other people in our lives and we failed miserably at some point and it's really gone bad and it's hurt us um and so this would be the free will argument is that well god isn't in control you've got it wrong he's not sitting there micromanaging he's a, he's a good boss he goes hey go do that i'm gonna take a step back i believe in you i trust you you go do it and you work it out now One element that um, I will throw out that that, um, creates a dilemma in this, um, which for the life of me, I I find fascinating because you have these two camps that are arguing with each other and fighting with each other, but they seem to um, gloss over something that I personally really struggle with um, for either argument, is that free will, I don't believe, is free will. I I just don't. And and actually, I think because there's so much scripture and, and elements of both i actually think that this also supports this argument that i'm about to make if, if if we believe that god knows everything you're going to do everything you're going to say i mean he's all knowing right he's on omniscient, sure he knows everything if we believe he knows all of that so he, okay so he doesn't choose to make you brush your teeth at 820 but he knows you're going to because he's god he knows everything right um and this is a predetermined f- fact for for most people that hold to free will is that well god knows everything i'm going to do he just lets me make that choice if that's the case is it free will so you know so f- going back to salvation if we talk about last um uh, week you know so pre- predestined calvinistic god goes all right i'm going to make some people and let's quickly while i'm doing it i'll just decide whether they go to hell or heaven uh hell heaven heaven hell hell done right I'll let them go live their lives and it seems like a mess, not God, right? Yeah? Okay, but free will makes me feel better, right? Because he goes, all right, I'm going to create some people um, and I'm going to let them do whatever they want, make their own choices, choose to follow me or not. You will choose me, you won't choose me, you won't choose me, you will choose me, you will choose me. It's kind of the same. Like if I take enough steps back and I just watch it from beginning to end and ignore the middle of how it plays out, I just go, I don't know how different this is right it, 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 on some levels so I'm, ju- I'm just trying to play devil's advocate to to both elements and I, and I want to i know free will is probably where we sit as um as charismatic christians and, and honestly that's, that's where given those two choices i'm here every time no question at all but i want to i want to give you some thoughts because this is stuff you're gonna have to postulate and think about and this might be people that you meet will challenge you on this stuff as well um because you might go wow well, yeah but he, he gave me the choice he, you know and, and and at the end of the day well, he made you the way he made you, didn't he? So he gave me a choice and I chose to reject God. Well, he could have made you more inclined to be spiritual. He could have made you a little bit less stubborn. He could have put you in a Christian family instead of a non-Christian family. He could have, I don't know, like, but he, he, surely at some point we have to go, well, God made me, he made me the way I am. He put me in a situation I am and then said, you've got free will. But he knew how it was all going to plan out. And if it ended with me going to hell, it seems a bit unfair okay now uh, what happens in that is then a lot of people would then lean towards christian universalism which we talked about last week of like yeah well but if it's all going to pan out okay then that makes it an okay issue it's not it's not as big an issue what i want to do is i want to throw a third element into the mix that a lot of christians don't um consider as well um and this again is a a, much like when we talked about hell we talked about uh, eternal torment we talked about um annihilationism and we talked about christian universalism we talked about how the first two are very commonly accepted in the evangelical church the last one is less commonly accepted in the evangelical church but when you look at across the board across maybe uh, uh, catholicism greek orthodox some of the other less westernized evangelical churches and certainly when we look through history christian universalism was always an option in the same way um i want to talk to you about a concept called open theism have any of you heard of open theism Open theism. No, so I want to talk to you about this, and, and this is my point exactly. P- people don't tend to talk about this. You're, you've heard of Calvinism and Arminianism, though. Yes, no, maybe, no, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, <coughs> sorry, Arminianism. Um, so, but but we've known of this, this this argument of these two options: you got free will, you have got predestined. Well, this third option is um, slightly different um, because it. Supposes um, and you're gonna to have to stick with me, all right? Because this is gonna, gonna be your, your hackles on your back up. It's gonna freak you out a little bit, but but hang out with me, okay? Just just walk through the journey with me, and then we can discuss it out. Um, it supposes that God doesn't know what you're going to do next. Does anyone freak out at just the thought of that? Yeah, right. I mean, that that's a scary thought, isn't it? that God says, I'm not sure when Rachel's going to brush her teeth. I don't know. Let's see how this pans out. And that's a very um, different view, because it's not about my life being predetermined or my life being completely open and free um, within the concepts of being already predetermined on some level. And it's about a God who goes, let's just see. Um, Now, what I want to do is, before I do this, I want to just make sure you know that this isn't something I'm just like, "Okay." Here's a random idea I had in the shower this morning because I wasn't sure what to speak on today. Let me just give you a few verses, okay, just so you know that this is in there, that there's this concept of this. And again, this is throughout the um, the history of Christianity has been in there. The Jews, many Jews, Jewish rabbis, part of their yoke was that God didn't um, know and predetermine the future. And so um, this this isn't a common theme. It's actually becoming very common in the last 40, 50 years in uh, academic circles. Um, and actually what's interesting, a lot of the um evangelical conservative church the people that have historically been calvinistic um, a lot of them are starting to adopt this so like a lot of the traditional baptist churches and um, and things like that which is quite interesting but let me just give you um, a few scriptures okay so i'm going to break it into six categories for you so the first category is verses where god changes his mind okay well this ruins kind of at least the predetermined thing so we've got Exodus 32, uh, 14, Numbers 14, 11. If you want, I'll send you a list later. Deuteronomy 9, 13 through 14. Deuteronomy nine eighteen through 20. 1 Samuel 2, 29 through 30. 2 Kings 20, 1 through 6. 1 Chronicles 21, through, uh, 15. Jeremiah 18, 7 through 11. Jeremiah 26, 3. Jeremiah 26, 11, uh, 19. Ezekiel 13, uh, 33, 13 through 16. Ezekiel 20. 21 through 22 um amos 7 1 through 6 very explicit passages where god goes i'm gonna do this and then someone talks to me goes yeah all right i'll do something different and there's ways to explain that both with predetermined god was just going ah no i'm just kidding you i was i'd already decided to do that but whatever or god has gone i'll do this and i know what you're going to respond and therefore i know i'm not actually going to do this i'm going to do something else so you know those passages can fit with and that's historically how each argument but It also is possible that God goes, all right, I'm going to dialogue with people. I'm going to engage with them. And I'm comfortable enough that whatever they choose will be fine. So let's see which it goes. Now, okay, let me just give you some more verses um, of different uh, concepts. So um, section number two, there's just a few verses for this, but God regrets, okay? This is an interesting concept, okay? Because a God who knows beforehand can't actually feel regret, right? I mean, regret is an impossible emotion to feel. And actually I would argue most emotions are impossible to feel. And that's actually one of the core foundations of what open theism is, is that God has a lot of humanistic expressions throughout the Bible. He's surprised, he regrets, he's angry, he's sad, he's happy. You can't feel any of that. If you've written a script and you're watching a movie, it, at no point are you shocked. You know, you wrote the whole movie. Um, you know, it's, it's exactly as you planned it. And so here's God regrets. Genesis 6, uh, 6, obviously the flood. You know, he regretted when he created people. First uh, Samuel 15, 10 through 11, Ezekiel 22, 29 through 31. Um, and another emotion, God is surprised. Uh, Jeremiah 3, 6 through 7. Um, Jeremiah, oh, I've got that twice somehow. I don't know how I did that, um, which means I've accidentally missed a verse. So there's another verse, mystery verse. Um, Jeremiah 3, uh, 19 through 20. Um Section number four, God doesn't know what people will do. And this is fascinating as well. Um, And so in this, you've got, um, all right, if you guys do this, we'll do that. If you guys do this, we'll do that. And then based on what they do, and there's some overlap with that surprise topic as well, he just goes, oh. I mean, in the surprise passages, let me uh, find it. Oh, maybe this is in the next. Oh, yeah, let's do. God doesn't know what people will do. First Kings 22, 20 through 22. Jeremiah 7, 31. Jeremiah 19, 5. Jeremiah 32, 35. And and you've got different things. Like in here, Jeremiah 7, 31. I didn't command that. In fact, I didn't even imagine you would do it. This is God saying, I didn't even imagine. Like of all the possibilities, I hadn't even covered that one like what fascinating and and there's an element of us when we write about God. again the humanistic element of it we can anthropomorphize God. we can make him in our image we can turn him into a human with a human emotion um so that would again be one of the arguments if you're going to hold to the other elements i'm just throwing in there's a lot in the scripture that points to this god who is open about the future um and don't worry i'm gonna i'm gonna cover this i'm gonna make you feel safe as an option, okay? I'm, I'm not even going to posit it as the option. Again, I want you to think about all these things so that you have a broad um, ground for you to work with God and come to your own beliefs. Um, there's a huge element of God testing people so he'll learn what they do. He explicitly does, I'm going to test you so I can find out if you love me. I'm going to test you so I will find out if you're trustworthy. I will test you so I will find out if you're good. And you're like, don't you know? Because either option here knows. It doesn't need a test. I know. Um, So in that, we've got Genesis 22, uh, 12, (coughs) Exodus 16, 4, Deuteronomy 8, (coughs) 2, (coughs) excuse me, Uh, Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3, Judges 2, 21, 22, and 2 Chronicles 32, 31. And then the last section, um, which is interesting in and of itself, God shows uncertainty about the future. He's not sure what's next and again lots of scriptures for this exodus 4 and 9 um i mean he's given moses uh, instructions and he says right you go to pharaoh okay now if pharaoh does this then i want you to go to the nile and stick your thing and do this but if he does this then you're to do and he's given explicit instructions on both options which you think that's really really redundant if you know the options are and actually why would you introduce some fear into moses of not knowing you might as well just go pharaoh's going to do this and he does that other times right he says pharaoh will harden his heart and you will do this but in this example he goes all right could go either way so if it goes this way do that and if it goes this way do that and you're like huh interesting um exodus uh 13 17, numbers fourteen eleven, hosea 8 5 uh jeremiah 38 7 through 18 uh, 17 through 18 and ezekiel twelve one through 3 um I don't want to read all those scriptures for you. I don't, but I I will give you a list. And actually I would encourage you read them and and think, God, what does that mean? Like, how does that fit within these frameworks? And you know, you might still go, I really lean towards predestination. or I really lean towards an Armenian free will. Um, But you're going to have to grapple with some of these passages and go, what do I do with them? Right. In the same way that if you hold to eternal torment, you have to grapple with uh, first Timothy, where it says, God saves all men, especially those that believe you're like, well, that's a really good universalistic passage i don't know what to do with it right and that that's okay you have to just grapple with it you have to figure out okay god what can that mean oh interesting yeah well you, you have saved the whole world but there's an especially those that believe that will experience it or you know it's so so you can you can figure out you can wrestle with it. I, I, i'm not i'm not saying these verses now ruin everything else because there's verses that don't support open theism i want you just to know that there's more options than um we're often given in the evangelical church now what this does is this typically freaks people out when i first heard this uh, view and i started reading these verses i was like i freaked out because do you know what it does it 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 makes my god really really small right it freaks me out because i'm like oh gosh god doesn't know what's happening next this is like crazy um now what you'll do is if you speak to someone that actually knows what they're talking about i don't think i'm qualified for that to be honest with you i've only been studying open theism uh, on the sides even for maybe about a year and a half, two years, okay? And I've just read a few books. I'm, I'm like, oh, it's an interesting theory. I, I've never thought of that. So I'm just as confused as you are on many levels, okay? But what you'll find is anyone that is actually an advocate for open theism would argue that it is actually a much bigger God, not a smaller one. Um, one of the elements of that is um, if you actually think about the options presented to you when you have uh, 7 billion people on the planet all of whom you don't know what to do next, okay? So, um, all right, I'm going to use a flipboard. I'm quite excited about this. I don't know if I'll actually really use it in any meaningful way, but I want to do it anyway. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, we start our day. This is us, right? Now, God goes, all right, are they going to get out on the right or the left-hand side, okay? Oh, well, which one is it, this one or this one? Which is it? The right. right, okay, done. We're now here, okay? Now, there was a whole bunch of eventualities that immediately are taken out, right? None of these are relevant now. This whole section is just, it will never be, okay? And God was like, well, any of those could have happened, right? But now we go, okay, right. Do you throw some clothes on before you go make breakfast or do you wander into the kitchen in your boxers? Or what, what are you going to do? Are you going to have a shower? Are you going to have food? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Right, and all of a sudden we've got countless, I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of options by 8 a.m okay now what does that do to you to try and pick an eventuality for every single one it stresses me out i get stressed when people go do you want water or coke and i'm like oh but well i kind of want coke because it tastes better but water is better for me and i'm trying to cut down on sugar but oh gosh i really need sugar because i'm kind of on a sugar low and actually oh gosh well i've not had a coke in a while maybe i should right i mean just give me two options and i'll take 20 minutes to decide what to drink Okay? Like, maybe you're not as neurotic as me. Um, But what do you do when all of a sudden. Yeah, there you go. Super option, just a couple of. (laughs) So, but it's stressful, right? I mean, that's a really, really stressful thing. And that's because we can only really think a certain amount of moves ahead. And actually, this has been proved um, in chess, is a great example. Okay? So you've got a chess game, right? And you've got your board set up. Okay? And you've got. what is it? Sixteen pieces on each side, which gives you a few million, billion, trillion combinations of things you can do. In fact, much more. Um, and so, I mean, there's there's a lot of options on that board. Now, if how many of you play chess? Any of you? How many of you play chess really well? Oh, there we go. We should play. Right now, a good chess player can work out at roughly three to four moves. So this person goes, "All right." I'm going to move this piece here. If I do that, the realistic option is they're not going to move like that, 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 or that. They could move the rest of them, but they're really probably not. So that's unlikely, that's unlikely, that's unlikely, and that's unlikely. It's most likely they're going to move that there or that there, maybe that there. That's right. So we've got those three options. And then they go, right, if they do that, I'll move that. If they do that, I'll probably move this here. If they do that, I'll probably move this here. Now, okay, already I'm like, my head hurts, right? Because we've got now one, two, three, four. I can't even think how many that is. Is that seven options ahead of us? Eight options, okay? Now, okay, what if I do that based on them doing that? They will do what? Right, and you getting me? Are you stressed? You're trying to get your head around this. Like it's, it's a stressful thing, isn't it? Because you're like, oh my gosh, this is hurting my head. Now, do you want to know something interesting? A world grandmaster chess player can do this thirteen interactions. Isn't that stunning? Thirteen. Now, thirteen back and forwards equates to thousands of combinations, and they can compute that in their head. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Now, one of the things that really um, messed up chess. Uh, a few decades ago, was someone came along and created a computer. How many... create a computer. So how many combinations can a computer figure out? All of them, right? It's not even a question. might take a few minutes, computational power, because there's thousands and, well, millions and trillions of combinations. Um, But it goes, all right, if I do that, I know that every option that you can do is this, 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 right? And you could do 100 options. I know them all. And actually, based on Every single one, I know what I'll do. Isn't that interesting? And actually, the only way people have now um, been able to beat computers, because now chess players are winning again against computers, is they have to play irrationally. It's really fascinating. So they actually have to be a little irrational in how they do things because the key is to be faster at the computer so you're actually making illogical choices that it doesn't get to by the time you've made your move, and it has to make its move. Um, And it's only in speed trials that they can beat them, which is really mental. Um, So we've got this back and forth. That's stressful, right? Is the computer stressed at any point? No. And what does the computer do pretty much every time? Win. Okay? So the computer doesn't know a single move you're going to do at any point, does it? It doesn't know. I have no idea what you're going to do next. Is the computer worried about that? Why? It knows it's going to win. And also... Why is it not concerned about what you're going to do next? It's irrelevant because it knows, regardless of what you choose next, I've got a plan. If you move that there, oh, I, read, I already know my 25,000 options, and I'm going to pick this one. Because that's the best move. I've calculated every single element. Now, your move, what are you going to do next? I don't care. And this is how, um, you know, Open theist would probably explain the element of this undecided element of god because we freak out with options i freak out if god doesn't know what i'm going to do next god goes oh if a god is a finite um creature like us it's stressful because oh my gosh you can only really work with a script because at least that's manageable i've got it written down i know what's next oh yeah that's right chris was gonna do that next but i remember that's gonna happen oh, it 's fine don't worry right but actually, if we go, I've no idea what Chris is going to do next. This is absolutely terrifying. I might end up surprised. I may upset, sad. I might even regret some options, choices, right? But the next step of that, where, where this is what open theism really is arguing, is that God isn't finite. He is infinite. And we can't process a limitless unknowing um, with our mindset. We have to process it with a God mindset, with a God who does know all. So he doesn't, Uh, know what you'll do but he knows every possibility you could ever do and actually it with the script you know with with okay i know you're going to do that so all of my thoughts everything i've got is in thinking what will you do next god does that for every single option like that so you've got 10 trillion options today and god has spent eternity thinking about every single one so regardless of which one you choose it's irrelevant God has focused everything he has on that choice. But he didn't know you'd make it. It's fascinating, isn't it? Now, what are some of the ramifications of a God who chooses? Now, let me say this as well. Um, The computer wins, right? I mean, sometimes he doesn't. Um, (laughs) In this scenario, there's not an uncertainty about the end. God knows how he brings it all back. He kind of manages to wangle all the way back to checkmate um and so there's not a god doesn't know the future um it's it's not about god's unknowing it's about the future being unknown if that makes sense it's about he's uh, or at least the the process of the future the process of getting to that final point um and so it's not a thing of god doesn't know everything it's god chooses not to know a lot of things So there's things where he goes, okay, that's going to happen, and that's how I'm going to make it happen. And this is where open theists would actually argue they're being more faithful to the text because they want to have free will, but they also believe in a predetermined God, a God who actually does go, nope, I'm going to win in the end, and this is how I'm going to do it. That Now, there's this stream that has to happen. Right down the middle, we've got to have this element. But actually, pretty much absolutely every single other thing in the universe is irrelevant because I'll bring it in anyway. I'll work those bits back into the middle. And so it's a God who chooses what he needs to know, what he needs to determine, and everything else he goes, I'd like my creation to have free will. Um, so what are the ramifications of that? What are the ramifications of a God who chooses to do life that way? Think about, think about your day-to-day life. What, what does that look like if God is like that? Yeah, there's room for mistakes, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's um, a weight off your shoulders in some senses. Yeah.
3: because so now we can It is like this, you know, like you have these choices in life. Let me choose this, and it might get, oh, it's not good, it's not good, but then you gotta say, okay, but now, what are you gonna do
2: now?
3: And then I'll take this again, and then it's again, you know, and okay, but I still get something, how about if you take
2: it now? Yeah. Still, I mean, it's <laughs> done, but there's always this thing of actually, and maybe someday we grab on something, and then, oh, it's nice
3: Sometimes like people who say this, people say testimony testimonies. are like, well, I'm, I went through a lot of crap, but that was like, now I have this. But God helped me and brought me through it, and now He's really going to use that, and yeah, God is going to use it. But it doesn't mean that He needed to do this. The person had to suffer through that. You would understand it. I don't. I used to say that, but I <laughs> don't believe it anymore. I don't think any person sometimes.
1: which definitely leans towards free will or even open theism opens that to a whole new degree, doesn't it? Um, what does it do? Oh, yeah, go for it.
2: is present mm-hmm. and this uh, thing of uh, our thinking it goes up or down um, is a you, do you understand your yeah. perspective for God yeah. that makes uh, no uh,
3: I just meant like how you feel yeah. well, you mm-hmm. know, like when you choose whether I'm alcoholic or I'm not But do you feel worse when you're alcoholic? an alcoholic I know what you mean.
1: I think you just hit a nail on the head there like it was a really interesting um element of and and honestly uh, when i consider all three there's some compelling evidence for all three you know and i don't want you to all just go oh wow that's interesting i'll i'll become an open theist, right in the same way that when i presented the less likely or less common option last week of, of christian i don't want you to become a christian universist, so i just want you to consider uh, the whole spectrum and, and make educated choices and um, with god um but one of the things i find the most compelling Um, about open theism is what it does for my relationship because god is here i am becomes very significant and actually what both free will and uh predetermined predestination do with the name of god i am is actually not very healthy and 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 fair to the jewish texts, because they say i am god means that and um, in all times uh he he is he is present in all times he he is he has always been he uh, but actually the the truth is it's 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 not actually about expanding god out into the cosmos i am is about bringing him into the moment and actually it's saying that, that the god of the past the present and the future is always the god here now present um and i think actually that's what open theism does more for me because like we talked about this god of um free will if he truly does know all things and the god of predestination if he certainly if he knows all things there is and Colin you're in for a ride um (laughs) um, there's there's no surprise there's no joy I'm not happy you got that job I knew I I'm not sad that you got beat up or abused I'm not um disappointed that you made that choice and I'm really you know grieving for you there's just none of that and actually in a heartbeat like that god is the most relatable relational um for lack of the, the way to put it human now obviously actually we are just much more god in that moment i think rather than us and then god becoming more human but you know what i mean all of a sudden he's got this range of emotion where it's like ah oh, god wasn't possible it wasn't possible for god to experience that um and i think that's compelling to me if if i'm honest uh now is it compelling for selfish reasons yeah absolutely because i want my god to be more relatable and relational and all of that um but from a a solely academic purpose as well i think there is stuff in the scripture that points to god being capable of feeling a range of emotions and things like that and so i think it's not solely selfish i just we have to be aware am i wanting to make that choice or believe this for selfish reasons to make my life easier better whatever um which again isn't worst motives at times um better than making a choice to make your life miserable i guess um but yeah do you see that there's there's an element of that that god becomes extraordinarily relational what does it do to things like prayer do any of you struggle with the concept of prayer when you believe that god knows all things and knows exactly what's going to happen next anyway right because uh, apart from looking at the scriptures there's no back and forwards sorry yeah go (coughs)
2: Mm. Then, then the decision
1: is already, um, done. yeah yeah i mean if, if god has has decided or at least doesn't decide but knows they'll never make that choice then do do i have the power to change that yeah. um maybe maybe right i mean possibly maybe because we don't know we don't know if that person is going to be one of the people that does get saved or doesn't and maybe it's us that is part of that but it's still a mm. Mm, do i do i actually have any real power in it Anyone else's thoughts on prayer and stuff? don't pray. I think I'm the only parent here. Mm. So we
2: know what our kids want, what they mean, but still wonderful when they ask. So I think the, the way I see prayer is like because I love when they ask, mm. it's just like it's just what we want to give to them, and then they ask. It's so much better because. Yeah. Something or make a food or buy something, even sometimes
1: like already bought them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm just waiting for them to ask. Yeah. Like waiting for them to get ready for something. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So that's the way think, uh, mm. mm-hmm. ha- do you think um a, a concept of a open view of um this open theism, this open view of God's view of the future. Would that change any elements in that scenario, like of, of that, that view of prayer? Um, I, I just, I guess like if, because if, if, that works really well in the concept of free will or even predestination, that, that is exactly it. I, well, I know you want a cookie. Yeah. I even bought them from the store. They're in the cupboard. I've just been waiting for you to ask, and I'll give you it. But if God goes, I actually don't know what you want right now. Maybe you want lasagna. Maybe you want cookies. I don't know. Um, I know you like them both, but I don't know what you want. Um, Does that change prayer um, in that concept? Did you have something to say? Well, I'm. I'm saying. I think I'm saying the opposite. Of what if? No. What if Peter comes to you and goes, and you're thinking, "I know he loves cookies." And he comes to you and goes, "Can I have a Mars bar?" And you go, "I didn't even know you liked Mars bars." Yeah, let me go buy a big eight pack, you know, and make sure the fridge is full. Yeah, don't you love that when that that happens? Yeah. Yeah. And so again, this. Puts that in the element of prayer with God. If if we believe in open theism, there's an element of God's going. I had no idea you were going to go out on outreach today. That's awesome! I love it when you go on outreach. I can't wait to go with you, um, uh, or or whatever it is. Um, and and again, I just think it's very it's exciting. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. Well, it it, it makes God's life a bit more interesting, doesn't it? Because otherwise, it's like it's like watching I don't know the same movie a thousand times. Or, (laughs) um, yeah. But I don't know, but God, if God made us in his image and we love adventure, we love surprise, we love excitement, we love all these different elements, um, w- why would we think God is excited about, you know, watching the same movie a trillion times? Because that, that's what it must be like if, if he genuinely just knows everything. And he's like, all right, well, I'll watch Colin do his life today know exactly what's gonna be right even if it's exciting i mean even if it's like you know you save people from a burning building as you kind of usually do saving people's lives he's like yeah but i already knew that for a trillion years you know i was just like well, yeah today's the day call and save some more people you know like it, it's not that exciting um i'm trying not to get too excited because actually i don't hold to this view um expressly i just now don't hold to any view because it's just thrown the spanner in the works too much for me um so i'm not trying to sway you but i just think Man, it's an interesting, exciting possibility, and, and why? The reason I want to put this across, and the reason I want to share this, is now I can start dreaming more of like, what does prayer look like? What does what does it look like for worship? For whatever. I mean, because pre, predetermined worship is kind of crappy as well, right? Oh yeah, they're worshiping me again. I kind of decided that we're going to do that this morning. You know, it's like, Ugh, great. Um, oh wow, Chris just spontaneously burst out in song and started worshiping me and made this new song up. I, I didn't even i've never heard that song like it's like wow right as opposed to uh i've put in chris a million years ago i wrote this song and put it in chris's heart and he'll sing it back to me at some point well at some point on july the 12th at 2:32 and 14 seconds you know there's 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 so much scope for our response our um our lives to be this expression of worship but also actually our lives to be um Ones that, that hurt, that pain, that the sadden God, that grieve god. And and again that's throughout the Bible as well. Um, yeah. <coughs> mm. I don't know. Could it fit? Can can we? How would you make that fit?
0: Well, like God made me, and He made mm-hmm. me like creative. Or He made me, you know, like with certain skills. Like He made me obnoxiously loud. So it's like you know, it gave me certain gifts and certain abilities. And mm. he, so I think it's like you know, you know, like you said, when there's like a bajillion thousand choices, like God might have put that in your heart, but it's yeah. up to you whether yeah. you run with it or not. Like it's your decision, and God doesn't know if you will or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think the thing for me is that because he's my dad, and he wants the best for me, like because he's a father. So like, he's not like you know, he puts something on your heart because he's like, this is what's going to make you ultimately like really, 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 really happy and feel fulfilled. And you know, like I've put it in your heart because this is what good at and do you know what I mean and yeah. like it's still a surprise to him all the things we do are still a surprise but ultimately like he's like yeah like really this is on your heart because it's going to be amazing and do you know what I mean it's like yeah, yeah. so
3: basically then let me see this example. If we have this thing of I don't know um, being creative mm. but then there's many things we choose to
1: follow that yeah i think it's it's a god who works with probability and possibility mm-hmm. so god gives you infinite possibilities you know, I, i've made you your redhead you're creative you're you know, whatever, German, you know, I, I'm putting you in Germany. You don't get a choice yeah, about that. So but on some levels, actually, when you start to break it down, actually, maybe you did, because right, because maybe your parents had the possibilities of living in France, or, you know, or, and, and you go, and you keep, so, but take that apart and just go, okay, right, right now, just you in a vacuum. He made you German. He made you, he knows the hairs on your head. He knows the, you know, the creative elements behind you, or whatever. So then he knows all the possibilities, but then he goes, right, there's a trillion possibilities of what Chris is going to do likelihood because i know him i've known him before he was in his mother's womb he's probably not going to be an accountant okay (laughs) is he likely to be an astronaut probably not either right and and we bring it in and go oh my gosh well realistically it's much more likely he's going to be musical or he's going to work with kids or you know youth or you know because those are the things that i know he's passionate about and and loves and and so it brings it in um let me ask you another question connected to that 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 is interesting how does prophecy work with an open view
0: Mm. Really specific. Yeah. Now, like, I guess the prophecy, it's up to me, again, it, it's, it's my decision to run with that or not. Yeah. Like, I've had people yeah. say of me, like, you know, like, y- you're going to work with women that have been in the sex trade. Like, I can take that prophetic word and see how it feels in my heart. If it sets my heart on fire, then I can be like, yeah, like, I want to do that. And then I can go and that and I think sometimes prophetic word can be like God saying, like, if you thought about this thing, mm. like you know, out of all of these huge multiple options, this is something that might set your heart on fire. Yeah, you know, because he's again it just comes back to that father thing to me yeah. that like he, he he wants what's best for me. So I think prophetic word is like calling out the best in people and saying, like, actually, like, this is what you're capable of, mm. like, this is what could happen. Use, yeah because i think that for me is the choice that i want to make over and over again it's just god every time yeah so it's like before i came here you know like <coughs> three years now that this is where it throws a huge spanner in the works for me with the predeterminate. Mm. because when i asked because god brought me here you know very specifically like this is what it's So, like, I mean, I think it still falls into this because I wasn't ready. And, like, God knew I wasn't ready at mm-hmm. the time. And, you know, and every single time I asked, like, what about now? He looked at me and was like, no, like, <laughs> you're absolutely not in a place. But <laughs> so not, but it's but like a
2: protection. not
0: only you, but also Rob and your Yeah, family. and everyone yep. else around me, you know. Absolutely. But, like, mostly me. Because mm. <laughs> I look back and I just think, wow, like, I don't. Handled a lot of this very well, you know. Like, and it's again, like, he's my dad and he loves me and he wants the best mm. of me. So, could I have ignored that and chosen to do it anyway? Yeah. Yes. Would I have still done the school and had an amazing time?
1: Yes, but it would have just looked different. very different, yeah. right? So you know, yeah. I think like
0: I do. I am I quite like the idea of the open fears and things. It's like you know, as much as he doesn't know what's going to happen next, she's like, you know, you. Like he knows me and he mm-hmm. loves me. So if I go to him and say, like, okay, like I'm faced with these, you know, if it's like a big decision, yeah. like God doesn't get out of in the like, morning, you, know, you know, like he wants me to be where I am on time and whatever. Just, you, know, <coughs> you know, if I say I'm faced with these five things and I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. and God like puts you towards me He's it's because He loves me and yeah. like He wants the best for me, and He's like, This is what's gonna be best me.
1: That still leaves the open And that's a huge element of it as well is that within the limitless possibilities, within the probabilities of what you'll do, mm-hmm. there is a God who is here. Mm-hmm. And he's relational. And he's saying, This is a possibility, Rachel, but I really don't recommend. Oh, no, you did it anyway. All right, okay, next. What's our possibilities, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Just not again, okay? <laughs> but you know, but, right? I mean, Because how many times have we chose the wrong one and God's probably going, oh my gosh, right? Okay, let's go again. Next, next options. Okay. Um, but there is a God that guides. There is a God that gives prophecy. There is a God that speaks to a friend or through a friend at coffee. There is a God who makes us realize, oh, that billboard's maybe a weird message to me, actually. Or whatever it is, there's a God who is still steering. And you know, so we've got the the end. You know, we've got the Revelation twenty two. The end. It's amazing. God will get there. He knows. He's he's making sure he's steering that, but he's not steering what time you get out of bed. But is there micro elements of that? Because again, there's there's room in Open Theism for you to believe in a. You get a few choices here and there, or you get most choices but a couple were predetermined or you get you know so there's a whole spectrum and actually that's again it's it's like the christian universalism it isn't a black and white this is what what they believe it's a this is a very broad topic with a lot of different beliefs and so in open theism is there scope of like you know what Rachel's going to be doing the school on this date now if you choose to say you're going to come Timo's going to reject you at the application process or you know so he's got a possibility and he's like no you're coming later But I do want you to come. Or, you know, is there a thing of, um, all right, your life's going to change by that birthday. And you stubbornly lock yourself in your room or whatever. And he's like, all right, I've got to show up in a vision. you know. But he's like, but I'm going to move it towards that. And so even as we skew with possibilities, he's able to go, whap, you know. You look at Paul, like, I mean, it's about as hard to get as you could. And he just goes, whap, look, I'm showing up, right, back on course, here we are. Because I actually really need Paul. Right? Now did he? I don't know. Maybe he could have picked, I don't know, Jacob down the road, you know, and gone, "Ah, Paul's not choosing well, let's just go speak to Jacob and get him." I, I don't know, um, and we don't know, I even mean, it's not a, a thing, but but I think there's that element of God is still able to show up, he's still able to interact, he's still and actually, on some level, perhaps more so, um, because he has to, maybe, because he doesn't need to show up in the other scenarios if he knew already and had predetermined already. And actually, again, this speaks quite highly of how God does things, where he shows up, where he, he turns things around, where he goes, all right, go tell Nineveh that I'm going to wipe them all out because they're so filthy, rotten, and sinful. And then they all repent. And he goes, oh, uh, oh no, it's fine. We're, we're good. Right? <laughs> but like, that, what, what just happened? Right? And, and you know, there's scenarios of that. And Jeremiah, God goes, oh, didn't see that coming. And you're like, what a fascinating phrase for God to use. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> like, really god like i thought you had that one kind of somewhere in the back of your head as an option um and and that's a whole nother level of open theism right because we've got all the possibilities and then god goes oh i didn't see that coming now that's a whole nother level like i I don't know what to do with that phrase right because that supposes that it wasn't even a possibility he considered which suddenly makes me panic again right um but yeah it's, it's a fascinating concept but but i don't want you to if you do start exploring this i want you to you know, no, yeah, we can explore this, but we can still have prophecy. We can still have a security. We can still have a future. We can still have a destiny and we can still have callings and things placed in us as well. And so, um, don't, uh, don't think that that's going to throw it all out either, you know, uh, because it, it's not, um, it's not creating a view of the future of who knows, or it's creating a, <coughs> an identity of you of who knows. It's, it's creating a God who is in it and chooses to live in it rather than live outside of it mm-hmm. and viewing it as a spectator but actually is an active participant in you. Um, and yeah. I really love this uh,
2: scripture, um, this uh, God uh, and Abraham discussing over Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah.
1: And they have that dialogue, don't they? Back and forth, because Abraham isn't happy with the plan either. He
2: saw Abraham as his closest friend. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's not possible or good in a relationship um, that we have
1: with each other. Yeah. I mean, it brings on relational elements of God hugely, right? Because he truly does start to engage with us as a friend or a father or whatever. And actually, on some level, our choices determine to what degree of friendship we have with God or to what degree he really is able to be a father to us. Or um, It's really interesting. But that's, but that's another prime example of God going, I'm going to destroy this place, right? And Abraham goes, oh, I really would rather you didn't. And he's like, all right, well, what about this? And then Abraham's going, nah, it's not fair. Let's do this. And Ab- and God's like, yeah, okay. And Abram's like, actually, no, let's do... And, and they back and forth. And you've got God going, I mean, God's schizophrenic, you know, in, in one sense. Now, again, you can very easily teach us some free will and predestination of God. Just, he's testing, you know, he's... Um, and even then, it's, it's not even a test as such in that God doesn't know the test, um, but Abraham doesn't. And, and he's allowing Abraham to go through this process of... And being challenged, but always God was gonna bring it down to the one. Um which is fascinating anyway, because let's be honest, was there just one person in that whole city? <laughs> <laughs> and then she changed his mind. She was like
2: Yeah. not now yet. And probably Mary got <coughs> to said do something I just do relay really So in like she in a way, she changed his
1: mind mm-hmm. and then she just asked to fill the barriers Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It means that we can change his mind. Yeah. You negotiate know, you know, Absolutely. And that goes right back to my question about prayer, which I don't think we really dove into that much. Prayer is hugely significant when you have a God who goes, I don't know what we're going to do next. When you have a God that goes, well, we're doing this. So you sit and pray and go, I'd like this to happen. God, will you do this? Will you heal that person? Will you move in that city? Will you make us have a good Sunday service or whatever? I don't know if you pray the opposite, but um, you know, you pray all these things and God goes, well, actually, you're predestined. I'm not Either you're predestined or I've already seen and this is how it's going to go. You're going to have a crappy Sunday service, sorry, um, because that person is free will choosing to do this or choosing to, right? So so even in the free will, it's like, well, this is going to happen. Um, and so your prayer doesn't do anything. And actually, the only way that prayer works in free will is it changes people because God can't change and his plan can't change, but people could change because people then would make different decisions. But then what is prayer? It's manipulation and control. I'm praying that you take away that person's free will. So actually, in the free will model, the only way we can actually do something in prayer is to change someone's free will, which to me is scary. Whereas in open theism, it it, it just opens prayer up to me again. And actually, if if I'm brutally honest and and self-aware, my prayer life over the last, well, not last couple of years as I started exploring open theism because it's given me a, a whole new realm of like, man, my prayers could be extremely powerful and effective. Whereas actually when I believe in a predetermined system of some sort, my prayers sometimes feel like I'm kind of, and, and you know what? It's hugely beneficial for me either way to talk to dialogue, kind of what you were talking about there. You know? And so I'm still doing it, and, 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 but do I believe in the power of it? I don't know. You know prayer ultimately is just to change me because it doesn't change necessarily the situation or God. And that's a good thing we should be changed in prayer gosh we certainly should um but all of a sudden my prayers can actually change god's mind as well or that certainly they can change the situations and the circumstances um and and that to me is just really fascinating Um, we'll stop there um but i just i guess i just want you to consider this you know you know i really really don't want you to go that's it i'm an open theist please please don't um I do think it's compelling. I do think it's fascinating. I do think it's interesting. It's maybe one to dialogue with God. It's one to read about. It's one to study. Um, But certainly, again, this is the whole premise of this and the whole reason for this is to give you a bigger framework for you to build your beliefs. And so what do I believe about God? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about the tenets of faith, of, of, you know, um, salvation, of prayer, of worship, of, you know, all these different disciplines, all of that, changes if you choose to see um the interaction of god and outworking of the future differently all there's 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 options there suddenly that weren't there before and and i want you to now consider well what do those look like and is that a better way to interact with god does that because honestly even if you're wrong and it betters your relationship with god i'm happy you can be wrong for the next couple years and then come back but if it makes you closer to god if it empowers you to pray more or whatever it's still a p- positive move in my opinion um but but that's what i'd like you to do be dialoguing with god and go god what is what is uh the right thing and um, and you're going to find that theologians and academics are all going to disagree on that so you, whatever your right thing is it might not even be the right thing i'm sorry right um, in the same way we talked about you know like end times you know p- two people that hear god very clearly can have a very different end times theology so what you think, even what God tells you—controversy. What God tells you might not even be right. How do you get that around your head? Right? It makes you think of the story of Chris um, Overstreet, the outreach pastor at Bethel. Um, God said to him once, "That guy there is called Steve. Go, go pray for him." And he runs after this guy down the street. He's running. He's like, "Hey, hey, hey!" And the guy turns around and he's like, "You're Steve, and you need prayer." And he's like, oh, "My name's like—I can't remember what he said—like Graham." And he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry," but he was so sure because God clearly said, "That guy's Steve, go pray for him." And, and so he turns around and he's kinda of like dumbfounded. And he walks away, and he's like, God, what was that about? And God was like, I just want you to learn being wrong wrong's not that big a deal. And you're like <laughs> to to learn that being wrong isn't that big a deal. Okay. Um and you're like, Wait, God just lied to him, you know. Yes. Did he? Did he? No. But my point is, you know, it feels like at times God is telling someone something wrong. Because all the things that God told us, they can't all be right, right? Because we have forty thousand denominations. And we all think God told us this or God told us that. Um, and so whatever you, you come to the conclusion of, always hold it open-handedly. Always have the humility to say, I feel God saying this. And this jives with how I interact with God and how I see Jesus and all of this. But I am not God. And ultimately, I'm still flawed in my ability to grasp what God is saying and, and to um, and to. Uh, grapple with the scriptures and and all these different elements i'm I'm not perfect in that that capacity and um i may be wrong but i'm going to live with conviction of what i feel god's saying to me today and i'm always going to be open to god saying something different tomorrow and that's really whatever the topic is you know whether it's end times uh eternity open theism versus free will predestination whatever it is hold it lightly but live convicted.
0: Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.